0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from the life of Noah in Genesis 8 and 9 on the mindset of God and Noah after Noah got off the ark and we'll learn about God's promises of continuation of the blessings of the seasons of the earth. Now, We've been mentioning all week about the Summer Blitz. What is the Summer Blitz? It's a campaign to reach lost Jewish people around the United States and Canada this summer. And Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, is encouraging you to be a part of it. That Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries are sponsoring 108 missionaries to go out to these 14 Jewish cities around the U.S. and Canada, and we'd like you to be a part of it. We'd like you to help support and send more missionaries to go out this summer, between Monday, May 11th, all the way through August 3rd, to reach Jewish people full time throughout the entire summer. Now, these missionaries will go door-to-door, street-to-street, person-to-person, with a personal gospel witness, as well as gospel resources and materials written for the Jewish people by Tom Cantor. Now, you can be a part of this campaign because we need to send more missionaries, and we'd like your financial support. It'll be a tax-deductible donation to us here at Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Donate online at israelrestoration.org israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org or call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051 with your support to reach lost Israel, 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor on friendship with God, teaching us about the mindset of God and Noah after Noah got off the ark.
1: But it's compassion, even when he sees this hereditary sinfulness. That's how profound the peace is that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ brings. It's through compassion of God. And again, it goes back to the second Peter 3, 9, with him not willing that any should perish and all men should be saved. Now, for God to bring up at this time the inherent sinful nature of man, that's a real downer. I mean, that's, that's really throwing water on a parade. I mean, you know, here Noah, you know, he's just gotten off the ark. He steps foot out there. There's a new earth. Everything looks so great. It's all fresh. It's all new. It's all pure. There's no sin. There's no murder. There's all the violence. Everything's gone. All the evil seems gone. The earth looks so good and pure. And Noah's opening the door of the ark and taking a deep breath. You know, you picture it? He goes, oh, man, this is a wonderful place kind of like when we first moved into Lakeside, but not quite. (laughs) I looked at that and said, this is a wonderful place. And Pastor Jim says, it's going to absorb work. (laughs) That was a prophecy. Anyway, so Noah, the earth absorbed work for Noah too. But it was a wonderful place. So Noah might have said, it's my home forever. This is great. He gets off the ark he collects all the clean animals, makes the offering to God. God smells the sweet savor, makes the wonderful promises. And Noah thinks to himself, Life is good. Life is very good. God's happy with me. The earth is new. Everything's wonderful. What's not to like? And so, what does God say? The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now, with such a wonderful beginning, it's such a wonderful place. Why bring this up now? I mean, why bring up sin and the hereditary part of sin? And if, I mean, Why at this time? Noah thinks this, he thinks about God. He says, you know, God just said, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And he thinks to himself, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Who could God be referring to? Let's see. Did he say... That the imagination of man's heart was evil from his youth? Was he referring to all those dead people that aren't here and now? But he didn't. He used the present tense. The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And so Noah, being the very intelligent person that he was, came to the conclusion he's talking about me. He's talking about my family. I mean, who else is there? I mean, he didn't. And God didn't say some men's hearts are evil from their youth. He said, he makes this categorical statement, God does. He said, every man, all men, man's heart is a category is evil from his youth. There's only eight people on the earth at this time, as Noah and his family. So, no, 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 he's got to be talking about me. I mean, there was Noah. He was such a good Christian. <laughs> he had offered the right sacrifices. Everything smelled good. And, and then God tells him the imagination of his heart, evil from his youth. Just such a welcome. All right. Now, so why did God do that? We have to get to the question. Why did God at such a wonderful uh, time when Noah's, you know, the, why did he bring this up? You know, well, obviously God loves Noah so much that he's carefully cautioning Noah. He's saying to Noah, Noah, I'm counseling you. You have to beware of sin that lies in your heart. Noah, don't don't let this wonderful feeling that you have now of coming out on the earth sedate your guard. Sedate your guard. Like Paul said in, in Romans seven twenty five 25-25, Paul, was, his guard was not sedated when he said, I see another law in my members, warring. There's a warfare going on against the law of my mind, bringing me into t- captivity. It was a struggle going on. To the law of sin, which is in my members. It was internal. And then when he looks at all that, Paul looks at that and he says, This is a horrible man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. And then he cries out for help. Who shall deliver me from this body of this death? And then he answers it. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, God was in love warning Noah by essentially saying to Noah, I didn't save you from those sinners who died who, who I judge because you're not sinful. He was saying that. Noah, you have the same sinful nature as those ones who who were judged. So be careful, Noah. Be careful. And God finishes verse 21 by repeating again. He says, but neither will I smite anymore every living thing as I have done. And so those were a great comfort to Noah that and a great comfort to us because God is saying that the sacrifice that he smelled was enough that even though we do have the same sinful nature, that God reaffirms his promise to not curse as he did before. And my advice God says is you better make his soul your offering for sin. That's what you have to do. And he says to all people everywhere, everywhere. He says make the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ your offering for sin. Make him your savior. Take him as your savior because God says for his and his alone sacrifice, I smell sweet savor. I smell a savor that brings the peace. Now, Here we see God saying how deep the peace is that he makes with man. Because even with the view, even with this in view that I know, in other words, what's God doing? He's zeroing in on this issue of the hereditary sinfulness of man. So God was in love warning Noah by essentially saying to Noah, I didn't save you from those sinners who died, who who I judge, because you're not sinful. He was saying that. Noah, you have the same sinful nature as those ones who were judged. So be careful, Noah. Be careful. Now we come to verse 22, the last verse of the chapter 8. And here it says, God said, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, Day and night shall not cease. So, God said to Noah, while the earth remaineth. What does that statement indicate to you? While the earth remaineth. What does it indicate? It's not going to (laughs) last. That's right. (laughs) While the earth remaineth. That's another downer. Okay, so God is getting very good at these water on parades. So this phrase indicates there's a limit. There's a limit to this earth. It's not going to remain. And so Noah sitting there. So what does that mean? I'm going to do all this planning, all this work, all this effort to build this, all, all this new on the earth. And you tell me the earth's not going to remain? So that changes everything for Noah. It changes everything. And it does. It changes everything. And God wanted that change. God purposefully, at this point, reminded Noah that the earth has an end coming. He didn't know how long it was going to be. It might have been, you know, no, knows? Anyway, and that changed everything. The Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, and He was always conscious of this limited amount of time, and especially we mentioned this last week. Especially when He came for those times to the city of Jerusalem. You remember the Romans? They were very clever, those Romans, and they wanted, and they wanted, and they did select the most public place. For their public executions, so that all anybody had to do in Jerusalem was just look up there on that mount there, Calvary Golgotha. All they had to do was just look up there and see, you know, the warning, you know, don't you defy Rome, this will happen to you. And people squirming in there and tortured to death on crosses. So, all the time, and he knew that that was going to be the place of his death. The Lord Jesus Christ knew that. And so all the time when he was here, he keep this as a phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ was always in the sight of Calvary. See that phrase? In the sight of Calvary. What's it mean? Well, he's in Jerusalem, and so he's, whatever he's doing, whatever he's doing, he's talking, or he's teaching, or he's healing, and every now and then we can just picture him stopping and just... He's in the site of Calvary. And what does he do? when, he, when he, He's reminded. He's remind, Well, what would it be like for you if every day, let's say, that you bought a plot in Greenwood Mortuary. And every day you drove over there and you looked at it and you said, okay, now. then they said, you're going to be here. That's a little, that changes a lot of things. I don't think I want to do that. Anyway but every day he was in the sight of Calvary. That's why when he was 12 years old, he makes a statement, I must be about my father's business. Why? Because as a boy of 12 years old, he was in the sight of Calvary. That's why he said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. Why? Because when he said that, he was in the sight of Calvary. Even when he wasn't in Jerusalem, in his memory, he was in the sight of Calvary. And the Lord Jesus Christ means that he was always in the sight of his own death and it was sort of like this we talked about when he looked up there at calvary or he thought about it he was looking at the cemetery where he was going to get he was going to die well, was a cemetery but anyway a place where he's going to die. And so when God said to Noah, "While the earth remaineth," God was wanting Noah to also be in the sight of his own death. And with that statement, "While the earth remaineth," God was wanting not only to remind Noah that don't get too attached because it's not going to remain, but also your life is not going to going to continue. Your life is limited. It changes everything. It changes everything. You want that passage we've been referring to the context of it. Second Peter three, we've been quoting verse nine about the Lord not willing that any should perish. But the whole part of that from verses five through 11, it starts off in second Peter three, five by saying that people are willingly ignorant. So what are they willingly ignorant of? It says that by the word of God, that the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water. So in other words, they're willingly ignorant that by God's word, creation happened, or he created. And then it says, whereby the world then was being overflowed with water, perished. So by the word of God, the world perished. And the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, it says in verse 7, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And then it goes on and says, that's the context. Don't be ignorant of one thing. And, and then it says that one day is with the Lord as. Now, it doesn't say it is, but it as, a thousand years. So God's got patience. A thousand years is one day. Because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness and so forth. Then it says, the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also... See, the earth, while the earth remaineth. Now, verse 11 in Second Peter here is really the key where it says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, the first part of what God was saying is a declaration. And when God said to Noah, while the earth remaineth, it was a declaration that all these things are going to be dissolved,
0: see? We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We want to encourage you to support Friendship with God with a tax-deductible donation so we can continue airing on this station and in your city. And as we've been encouraging you all week long, help get involved with Jewish evangelism. We're sending out 108 missionaries around the United States and Canada this summer for several months full time to reach the Jewish people with the gospel if you do like to support a missionary with a tax deductible donation you can send your support in online via israelrestoration.org israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org you can also call us at 800 247 3051 to support the gospel going to israel not Israel overseas, but Israel right here in America and Canada in our own backyard.
1: 800-247-3051. And so therefore, in Second Peter, when it says our response after seeing this makes everything different. We live different. We live for heaven, not for earth. And that's essentially what he was saying to, um, to Noah at that time. You know, in the sight of the discontinuation of this earth in the sight of our own death, as far as the Lord, in the sight of Calvary. You know, I think about baby Moses. It's always fascinating to me. I, I, I think that you know Moses' life. We always talk about chapter one, he was in Egypt, and chapter two was in the desert, and chapter three he was with, with in another desert with the with the Jewish people. So anyway, but it's always fascinating this chapter. So you know, I there's a little chapter that fascinates me. So I mentioned there in, the, in Moses' life it didn't last very long, but if you think about it. Moses starts out his life as a baby. And he's part of the Jewish people. And he's part of this family of Amram and Jacobed, Jacobed And they're the, the family, you know. And he's part of all that. He's a part. He belongs to. He's Jewish. He's, you know, he's a Levi. Okay. Then they no longer could hide him for three months. They hide him for three months. And they can't hide him for three months. So his mother then takes the little baby, and, and she puts him in this little box, this little ark. And she bends over at the River Nile, and she lays him in the river. It's such a fascinating scene. And then she, I don't know how she did it, but anyway, then she releases or takes her hand off of the ark, and she watches the ark and her baby just float away. I don't anyway. And at that point, that's a chapter right there in Moses life, because at that point is no strings attached. There's no strings attached. The Bible doesn't say anything about strings attached. The Talmud says that Miriam had a long string attached to his ark. I don't believe that. Anyway, no strings attached. He's floating down uh, the river. And at that point, in in essence, he's no longer part of the Jewish people. He's no longer part of and, and Amram and Jochebed's family. He no longer is living in that home. And, and this little chapter, that chapter, the first three months of his life, kind of closes. And then this, this fascinating chapter, this doesn't last very long. And then when Moses is floating in the, in the Nile there, and then Pharaoh's daughter comes along, she sees him, she picks him up, and she makes him her son. And then he's called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so when she picks him up, then that little chapter closes and a new chapter starts out of Moses' life. And that's the chapter of Moses as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, the Egyptian, Moses the Egyptian. Now that's a picture of our death. Because when we die, we're kind of like little baby Moses. We get severed from all relationships here on earth. We get severed from everything that we had here on earth, like Moses did. And the chapter of our life on earth stops, closes. A little time we float, and then the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ comes and takes us. That's a new chapter for us in the life life of heaven. So, you know, God is kind of cautioning Moses at the end of chapter 8 by saying, while the earth remaineth. Now, then he says... While the Earth remaineth he 's going to maintain these, these things seed time harvest shall not cease, and he pro- promises this continuation of cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night, and it won 't cease until the year two thousand when there 'll be global warming no he didn 't say that so <laughs> that 's a great worry today. so this is a great comfort that God says it 's going to continue it 's going to continue. You know, seed time and harvest. Cheryl was out this last week, and she was planting. I don't know what she's thinking, but she's she's planting red lettuce and and green lettuce and kale and and peppers and onions and tomatoes and and Swiss chard and and beets and so many things. Anyway, she's putting them out there. And last night she gets up in the middle of the night and she's trying to keep them warm. You know, (laughs) not me. But anyway, she was out there doing that. All right. So the thing is, she does that because it's a seed time. Now, seed time for something, I guess. And, and, and so then we'll have all this great stuff because she's, the predictability that you can count on the seasons, you can count on the harvest time, you can count on that the daytime's going to be here, the nighttime. It's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. And God says he'll never, never stop that as long as the earth remains. Because why? Why is he going to do that? because of what he said in Matthew 5:45 he says your father which is in heaven he makes the sun to rise on the earth on the evil and on the good he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So the the sun just doesn't rise every morning. God makes the sun to rise every morning. And the rain just doesn't just come. God sends the rain. Why does God do that? Because God does that because God's a good God and God wants to save the evil and God wants to save the unjust. That's just who he is because he's not willing that any evil or any unjust person should perish, but everybody should be saved. Now, we come in verse nine now, chapter 9, verse 1, and then God says to Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply. And so what's he doing here? Well, you know, you ask the question, how come the flood came? Well, the flood came because of wrong marriages between the line of Seth and the line of, of uh, Cain. And so now we're starting all over again, and God reaffirms that he's for marriage, that he's for children. He says, go and multiply and replenish the earth. And then he says in verses 2 through 3 that he's given Moses dominion over animal life. And in particular in verse 3, he tells Noah that now he can eat animal meat, which is a good thing. That's why I was born after Noah, so I could eat the animal meat. And at this point, Noah joins the NRA. <laughs> anyway, everything that moves, he... Anyway, so uh, then, in verse 4 through 6, he says, "He says, Now, for the first time in the Bible, God makes a prohibition on eating blood. Very, very strange thing. First time I went to Germany, I couldn't believe it. I bring some of the table. What is that? Blood sausage. It's blood. Anyway, God makes a prohibition against eating blood. And he says... You won't. You should need it. This prohibition happened. Was given before Abraham. This prohibition was given before the Jewish people. This prohibition was given before Moses. This prohibition was given before the law. That's why when the question was put to Barnabas and to Paul, what are we going to require the new Gentile believers to do? as far as being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses, they replied in Acts 15, 19 through 20, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but we write unto them that they, one, abstain from the pollution of idols, two, and from fornication, sexual immorality, three, from things strangled and from blood, So here in Genesis, we have the first explicit command to not eat blood. And the reason it's given is because the life is in the blood. And what God is saying here is that there's something precious about blood because the life in it is to be respected as representing life. And then God goes on and he says in verses 4-6, through and again, we have to picture Noah, he's coming off the ark, He's seeing all this mass judgment, he's seeing all this death of all the human life and he would have seen dead bodies everywhere and it it'd been so easy for Noah to say, "Well, you know, life is pretty cheap." But God says to Noah, "No. God says, I don't love death. I love life." And he puts a high value on man and he wants man to put a high value on life and a high value on man's life. And he says, "If a man murders a man, then God says, the man should put to death the murderer, who's verse 6. And so why is man's life so precious, God says, because he's made in the image of God. Every man is made in the image of God. That means every man has the ability to make a decision and call on God and for God to save him. God made in the image of God, sorry, man made in the image of God, means that man is not a robot, Man made in the image of God means that man makes his own decisions. Man made in the image of God means that man's decisions have not been predetermined by anyone. Man made in the image of God means that man has this ability to make his own decision, call on God, and be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, what you did after the flood that shows how much you're eager that no one should end in hell and all should be saved. And Lord, we pray that we might be also like Noah and And make a way for the lost to be saved and and continue in our worship to you until, Lord, we go through that little chapter and arrive on the other side. In
0: Jesus' name, amen. Another fantastic week of teaching here on the Friendship with God radio program with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. As we've been mentioning all week, we need your financial support to send out more missionaries with the gospel this summer Around America and in Canada and 14 Jewish cities, and giving out the gospel. If you'd like to be a part of that financial support, you can do so by going to IsraelRestoration.org. IsraelRestoration.org. Our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder of that ministry, Jewish evangelism ministry, getting out the gospel to lost Jewish people. IsraelRestoration.org. Donate online or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up there online for our Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries newsletter that will have lots of testimonies of the witness that's going on with the Jewish people and... We'll also have requests for prayer that will be on there. So get involved. Sign up for the Tom Cantor Daily Devotional Verse and the newsletter for Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God so you can find out what's going on with the Summer Blitz and support us by calling 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Reach lost Jewish people now, 800-247-3051.